Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 309 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about defeating the yips. We will define the yips in just a moment. First, quick shout out, quick thank you to two people that recently left a review of the podcast on the iTunes Music Store. First one, I'm not sure how, but Sweet Lou has left multiple reviews, and I appreciate that, Lou, very much. Thanks for your support. And also, Adoro German, I believe it is. Adoro German. Both of you, thank you so much for uh, the kind words. Thanks for taking the time to leave a review on the music store. Uh, You can do that on the podcasts app if you have an iPhone as well. It really helps uh, support the show and, and get it in front of more passionate players who are looking to improve their games. So let's kick off today's episode on how to overcome the yips. And this is If you're not familiar with the term the yips, I'll define it in just a moment. And today's content, the process I'm going to outline for today, applies to so much more than just this specific problem, this specific, it's really a terrible technical issue that that plagues athletes of all different kinds. And when I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, I was kind of uh, intrigued to see that the Yips has a Wikipedia page, and there's a lot of documentation there about professional athletes that have gone through the Yips over the years. And here's how Wikipedia, take it for what it's worth, defines this technical problem. The Yips is the loss of fine motor skills in athletes. The condition occurs suddenly and without apparent explanation, usually in mature athletes with years of experience. It is poorly understood and has no, no has no known treatment or therapy. Athletes affected by the yips sometimes recover their ability, which may require a change in technique. Many are forced to abandon their sport at the highest level. Crazy. <laughs> so that 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 to me, like, it that sounds kind of dramatic and aggressive, but it's actually absolutely accurate. And it went through and documented in particular golfers who have developed the yips. And all the yips means is a quick, sudden kind of jerkiness or start and stop or, or hitch, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's a jagged edge that suddenly comes in, usually in somebody who previously had great technique in whatever the execution was. But because of a mental trigger, usually, and this is my theory, by the way, the you know, based on scientific research, there's no targeted, known specific cause or treatment, as Wikipedia points it out. But I feel pretty confident, having experienced it myself multiple times, I feel pretty confident about what the cause is, and I also feel pretty confident about the process that's required to, to treat it and remedy it. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And this happened to me two different times on a specific stroke, my forehand ground stroke. And this has also happened to me with my feeding, meaning just standing next to a basket of balls and facilitating shots for for a student, which is like the most simple thing in the world, but very feel-based and very touch-based and just being able to place a ball with the right amount 
or lack of spin in just the right spot, just the right tempo, height, and speed, and depth. When I haven't been teaching for a long period of time, this hasn't happened to me in a while, but back before I started doing regular coaching as part of Essential Tennis, I'd go months and months without any time on the court coaching and just focusing on content and creating programs online. And when I would go back to the courts, it would take me a few hours to shake off the cobwebs to be able to feed again. And the first, like, especially 10, 15 minutes, 30 minutes would be really sketchy. And I would have the yips, which is like a sudden like jerk or twitch uh, and would completely destroy my ability to just feed, which is I've fed a tennis ball probably millions of times in my career, both as a player and as a coach or a teacher. And so to walk out there and have the most basic, most fundamental movement on a tennis court be compromised is it can easily lead to dramatic loss of confidence, which turns into kind of a snowball effect or a downward spiral of, holy crap, like what's, what's going, how, why am I having this, this hiccup? Why am I having this, this hitch in this simple thing that I've done a million times? And it's all of a sudden it kind of snowballs. You get kind of anxiety about it. And it's like, oh, crap, what if this keeps happening? And it does keep happening. You get more anxious and it keeps getting more kind of ingrained. And all of a sudden you're in this pattern or this rut of just a terrible feeling of lack of confidence and terrible feeling of completely having lost the technical proficiency that you had before. This also happened with me with my forehand ground stroke, both in high school and in college, where I went through about a month-long period of basically totally losing my my forehand. I mean, it, it really it just it just disappeared, and it took a tremendous amount of effort and kind of embarrassment to to get it back again to where it was. And the reason why this is so critical and so important is smoothness is vital to tennis success. Any kind of rough edges or starts and stops equals a loss of racket head speed. It also means wasted effort and energy. It means a dramatic loss in efficiency with how your body's moving and dramatic a decrease in performance and the quality of the resulting shot. Even if you can work through the rough edges, all of a sudden your ability to hit a, an effective shot is completely compromised and it just completely destroys that shot. And so I believe that the yips is due to high levels of mental stress and uncertainty that manifest into a physical hesitation. There's this kind of buildup of stress and pressure and worry, and it, it manifests itself into a physical jerkiness or hesitation or a, uh, uh, some kind of start or stop or a hitch. And basically, it's the most aggressive form of a rough edge. And it's like a hitch, but stemming from mental anxiety and not necessarily from bad habits. Although if you, if you operate with the yips for a long enough time, it can itself become a habit. And so that uh, Wikipedia page referenced several professional athletes that had to actually quit the sport because they weren't over to, they weren't able to overcome it, which is just devastating for somebody who was an elite performer in whatever the mechanics were, whatever the technique was. And so Generally speaking, people with the yips have already had experience swinging much, much better with very high quality repetition, but not necessarily. Like I know now that my forehand ground stroke 
has a lot to be desired. And, and there, even though it's one of my best and most confident swings, there's a lot I could do to improve it. It's not a, it's very competent, but it's, it's not a world-class technique by any stretch of the imagination. And so, you know, I wouldn't ever put myself in that category of, of a world-class performer in tennis, but I've, to a very large degree, experienced this phenomenon myself. And I know plenty of other amateur athletes on the tennis courts and also on the golf course, I spent a couple years really pursuing golf that have experienced this very dramatically as well. So let's get to the solution. Now that we've defined it and I've kind of given you my hypothesis on, on what causes it, let's talk about what I believe is the only solution. Uh, and it might not, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. It might not be the only solution. I know there's a lot of... Uh, mentally focused therapies out there for athletes, not not the least of which would be hypnosis and, and stuff like that. And I, different people swear by different things. The The approach and the path that I'm taking today is the one that that I have pursued the strongest and with the most depth over the last five, six, seven years. And that is the learning process. That That is deliberately and purposefully developing a new and better habit. And at the end of the day, any kind of jagged edge, any kind of hitch, any kind of symptom that even remotely resembles the yips, what we're talking about here is developing a better subconscious automatic habit, rewriting whatever the neurological pathway or, or mental stressor that's causing this technical deficiency it needs to be overwritten with something more proficient. It needs to be overwritten with something better, smoother, more efficient that replaces whatever the current non-effective pattern is. And that just comes down to deliberate practice following a very specific set of processes. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Step one, step two, step three, very specific, very practical today. And you can use this same process to change and overwrite any poor habit, not just the yips, but any other technical proficiency that you have discovered in your strokes, any of your strokes, no matter what your level of play is. So step number one is smooth, slow shadow swings. And 99% of the tennis playing world just went to sleep. But the more I coach, the more I believe shadow swings are severely, severely underrated and underutilized by tennis players and by by tennis coaches as well. The point of shadow swings, and I see this manifested in my students all the time where I ask them to shadow swing and there's like that just very slight eye roll and kind of exhale. It's like, okay, all right, I'll go through shadow swings. And they just kind of go through the motions as if it's some kind of punishment or penance that they need to pay for having done the stroke incorrectly a second ago. The point is not just to go through the motions. The point is to use those slow, smooth, deliberate executions to familiarize the mind and the body with an ideal swing technique, an ideal path, an ideal execution of the body and of the racket. And 
this really lays the groundwork for whatever this new habit is. This lays the foundation for what we're going to be building on top of it. The result of a shadow swing, the reason why shadow swings are critical and why they're effective is there's zero expectation of the resulting shot. There is no ball. And so there's no more trying to manage the outcome. There's zero expectation of where the ball will go or how good of a shot it will be or what the shot will resemble. There's also zero expectation of contact or anticipation or management of that collision between the racket and the ball. And so your mind and your body are completely free and unencumbered by the ball and contact and the results. And they're free to just go ahead and move in an ideal way and on an ideal path. So what we're doing with shadow swings is creating an environment with zero stress and zero challenge, a place free and clear of all pressure, all stress and panic and all challenge. And these are the repetitions that lay the initial groundwork to build a habit on top of. If you don't know what the new and better and improved mechanics feel like and you don't internalize them and you don't really start to become one with them and really feel them and experience them as deeply as possible then the chances of them the chances of that new and improved technique just randomly happening when a ball is fired at you are unbelievably low and so if building a habit is like building a building, like a house or a structure, then shadow swings are very much the foundation. They lay the kinesthetic groundwork that we can build on top of as we increase challenge from there. And so whether you're trying to iron out the yips or change any other fundamentally flawed habit, I believe that starting with shadow swings, no matter what your level is, how good of an athlete you are, is really, really critical. Now, if you're a really talented athlete, very physically aware, you might not need nearly as much of it. Maybe just a few will do the job and you've got the feeling and you can just replicate it. For those of us who are much less coordinated, much less talented and athletically gifted, shadow swings might be a substantial amount of the process of improving a a stroke or getting rid of, of the yips. But even if you are super talented, the yips can be something that is really sticky and very difficult to get rid of, I believe, because there's such a strong mental trigger there. There's such a strong mental anchoring of that that jerkiness into the body. And so it takes tremendously patient and aware repetitions to push it out of your, your mind and put something else in your subconscious. So step number one is smooth shadow swing. Step number two is trick yourself. This is, this is where things get off the beaten path. And it's critical that we don't go from shadow swings to live ball reps unless you're an exceptional athlete. Very few people can go from explanation to execution. Very few people can go from understanding to just doing it. And very few people can go from a perfect shadow swing rep to just doing the new rep correctly when the ball is being fed to them or, or hit to them, or certainly if they're being challenged or stressed within the context of an actual competitive point. It's hard to make that jump from great shadow swing to great execution with the ball. And so 
for example, uh, you know, just a personal example, really quick. Last last week, I did some work on my backhand, which, if you've listened to this show for a while, you know, is my biggest weakness, the the most flawed technique in my game, and. I had a little bit of time to kill on the court before we did some filming. So I set up the ball machine. I set up the tripod and, and the iPad. And I walked out onto the courts. I did like 30 seconds of shadow swings, a very specific mechanical um, checkpoints that I've been working on. They're very familiar to me. And felt like I really nailed the shadow swings. And when I looked at the iPad later, it confirmed that like right out of the box. Like I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. The, the knowledge is there and the ability is there. Like my body is able to do it. I, I pushed the button on the ball machine remote, did like 30 seconds of backhands. It's like, all right, well, maybe those, those might be a good step in the right direction today. I went back, reviewed the iPad and the ball machine reps were just terrible. <laughs> the, the shadow swing repetitions were exactly what I was expecting, exactly what I knew I was supposed to be doing. The ball machine repetitions were completely back to, it's been several months, just for context, since the last time I worked on my backhand. It's not something I, I have take the time to do very often. Uh, I just kind of do it as a little bit of an experiment on myself. And so there was just a sudden and complete departure from the shadow swing repetitions. And so in the same way, shadow swings alone for smoothness, like I'm not dealing with the yips, I'm dealing with a fundamentally poor framework on my backhand drive, my topspin backhand ground stroke. And so the yips are in the same way, shadow swings alone aren't going to fix the yips. They're not gonna completely overwrite the, that bad habit or that bad pattern, that, that bad knee-jerk response or reaction. It's not going to just erase those rough edges or those hitches. The mind has to become completely saturated with the new mechanics and then stress-tested progressively to slowly but surely embed it and groove it and iron it into your subconscious before it can ever just happen without you thinking about it. And so there needs to be small stepping stones in between the shadow swings, which you'll get probably within the first couple minutes of trying them, and actually hitting a ball with the ball coming towards you. It seems like those are reasonably close and in uh, uh, difficulty, but they're not. They're miles and miles apart. And so we need to create progressive stepping stones between shadow swings and actually hitting the ball in a live ball situation. And those steps need to be close enough together so that you don't fall into the water and drown, which means go right back to the habit that you're trying to erase or overwrite. So here's three ways that you can trick yourself and you'll see what I mean in just a second, to create progressive intermediary steps between shadow swings and actually hitting the ball in a live rally. Number one idea here, and these are, these are in order of difficulty, eyes closed with a toss. And this specifically is for serve. You can do eyes closed repetitions, uh, tossing a forehand ground stroke or a backhand ground stroke to yourself. I know it sounds ridiculous, but bear with me here for, for a second. I've seen a student use this very effectively. This student was trying to change her serve. She had a really, really ingrained habit of going into a waiter tray position on her serve. Her, her racket drop was really shallow, almost no racket drop at all. On shadow swings, she could execute a full range of motion racket drop. As soon as she tossed the ball into the air, then she would go right back to her racket drop pattern. 
and she would hit with her, her old habit. Maybe it was a little bit better, but not anywhere close to the shadow swings, which was really frustrating for her. And so she started, what she realized was tossing the ball was a trigger for her brain. If she went through a shadow swing and no ball was tossed, then her brain knew that she, she didn't have to worry about hitting the ball. And so she was totally free from any kind of stress or pressure or expectation to hit the ball. And so she could focus all of her attention and energy on just doing the shadow swing correctly. And so she could nail it and she could do it totally perfectly. But as soon as she tossed the ball, then her brain fixated on hitting the ball and that fixation on hitting the ball would trigger her old habit and she'd go right back to the waiter tray position even though she knew very well what she was supposed to be doing. And so she developed a trick for herself where she would toss the ball and do a full repetition, basically a shadow swing, but with her eyes closed. (laughs) And it seems ridiculous at first, but By taking her visual focus off of the ball, it created an intermediary step. And so she had the sensation of tossing the ball. Her brain knew that the ball had been released and it was up there in the air, but she didn't care about hitting it because her eyes were closed. And so she focused instead on doing the racket drop properly, which she could do with her eyes closed. If she was going to open her eyes, then that visual trigger would put her right back in, into her subconscious. The, the Her old serve program would just automatically run and she would use incorrect technique. So closing your eyes, even though you know a ball is there and not trying to hit the ball, but instead focusing on your execution is a great intermediary step to further groove that new movement. And in the case of the yips, that would be just smoothly moving through the whole motion without any jerks, without any starts or stops without any hitches. And you could do that with a ball there, but with your eyes closed. So it's not nearly as difficult as trying to hit the ball. Going from shadow swing to just hitting the ball is a huge, huge step. And your brain won't be nearly as triggered to do the old habit if your eyes are closed. Sounds crazy. I've seen it absolutely work. Uh, Way number two, you can trick yourself is fake tosses. Sometimes we'll call these dummy tosses. And this means uh, a shadow swing timed with a toss. So here I want you to think about a ground stroke, for example. Imagine you're, you're practicing your forehand ground stroke and you've done some shadow swings and now somebody's gonna toss a ball to you, but the ball toss is gonna be off to the side where you couldn't possibly hit it unless you ran after the ball. But instead of running for the ball, you're gonna keep your position and time your swing with that ball, even though it's way far away from you, and your focus here is on executing the new and improved, the better technique that you just did in the shadow swings with the ball in your field of vision, and you're working on timing the swing, but without actually hitting the ball. And so having the ball be in your vision will trigger your old habits. And I've seen this over and over and over again. I just talked about it a second ago with that other student who was trying to fix her serve. Just having the ball be there and just having it flying through the air triggers the subconscious and it triggers the forehand program or the serve program or the volley program that you have already ingrained in your brain. And it'll cause it to just run without without you wanting it to run, and it'll overwrite the shadow swing work that you just did. So this is an intermediary step between shadow swings and actually hitting the ball. Your, your subconscious will be triggered 
to run the old habit, but not nearly as strongly as if you were trying to actually hit the ball. And so it's a way to, slight, in a slightly more difficult environment, choose consciously the new and improved and better technique that you're trying to ingrain and you're trying to groove and force into your subconscious to, to run automatically from here on out. So that's number two, fake tosses. The ball's actually there, but you're not trying to hit it. You're just timing your swing with with that ball as it as it moves past you, away from you. You're not trying to actually hit the ball. And the third way that you can trick yourself is, this is one of my favorites, I haven't used this enough recently with students, no strings, shadow swings. And that means having a ball actually be in your swing path as opposed to the fake tosses. On the fake tosses, the ball gets tossed well away from the student, so there's there's not really much chance of, uh, there's no chance of them hitting. And occasionally, us coaches will kind of will kind of slowly sneak the ball a little bit closer, a little bit closer to really test their ability to just focus on the swing instead of the ball uh, and do the new thing correctly. But with no strings shadows, what we're doing is giving the student a racket with no strings in it and tossing them a ball in their strike zone and having them focus on executing the correct technique but no collision is taking place. Contact is not actually taking place because the ball is just traveling straight through the middle of the racket face because there's no strings in the racket face. And so having the ball be in your actual swing path will trigger your old habit. And it'll trigger your old habit much more than the fake tosses. And it'll trigger your habit much more than having your eyes closed and not even seeing the ball. But still, not quite as strongly as actually hitting the ball. And if you've never experienced this before, it's a really trippy sensation to see the ball there and your subconscious is expecting there to be the collision between the racket and the ball. But when it just doesn't happen, it's such a weird feeling and you'll, you'll feel yourself, I 100% guarantee it, if you ever try it, the first time you make the swing, you'll feel yourself have a sudden jerk of energy right around the point of contact and you'll realize suddenly how much tension you usually have right around the point of contact. And so this is a great intermediary step and it's the the strongest of the three that will pull you back towards your old habit. It's the most challenging to do the new swing uh, technique correctly because it's most like an actual real repetition. Difference is there's no string inside the rackets. So the, the way you move forward here is by tracking your success percentages. What I mean by that is set up a camera, watch yourself do the trick repetitions, and see what percentage of the time you do the new technique correctly and what percentage of the time you go back towards your old habit. Don't move on to more challenge, meaning maybe moving from fake tosses to no strings, uh, shadow swings, or maybe moving on from fake tosses to uh, real tosses and actually hitting the ball. Don't make that increase in challenge unless you're above 75% success on the fake ones or on the shadow swings. In general, do not progress forwards with in difficulty. Do not progress forwards and make it, making it a more real life or more challenging environment unless you're able to execute the new and improved technique at least 75% of the time. And success means consciously picking 
the right execution, the new execution. So within the context of the yips, that would mean a totally smooth and fluid motion, at least 75% of the time before you increase the level of challenge at all. Now, if you're below 50% success, then you should be decreasing the challenge and making it easier. That means moving more towards just a traditional shadow swing with no ball, no toss, no kind of trick, just pure shadow swing, zero stress, zero expectation, zero bracing for impact. You're just doing the shadow swing. If you can't even do half of them correctly with some kind of other challenge, then just go back to pure, simple shadow swings. So that's step number two is trick yourself. And I gave you multiple examples there, multiple ideas. These are ways to create stepping stones between smooth, deliberate, slow shadow swings. And step three, which is integrating a ball back into your actual hit. And this is something that should be done very slowly, very deliberately, and under the watchful eye of the camera, ideally, so that you can monitor and objectively look and see the quality of your execution so that you can correctly uh, adjust the level of challenge to keep yourself in a comfortable spot where you're do- you're actually having success. You're actually doing the new thing correctly. In, in this case, a smooth, calm swing with no hitches, no jerks, no um, starting and stopping. And so I strongly recommend that you start with combinations of re- different types of repetitions so that you can continue anchoring your mind and your body back to the new habit, continually reminding yourself, this is the new swing. This is the feeling I want. This is the sensation I want when I swing the racket to continue to train your subconscious. So here's here's three quick examples of that. Example number one would be three slow, mindful shadow swings with no ball at all, followed by one real hit. And so your goal would be to make all four repetitions look and feel exactly the same. And again, briefly mentioned earlier, the point of the three shadow swings is not to just go through the motions and, oh, I got to do three shadow swings. All right, let's get these over with. The point of the shadow swings is to feel what it feels like. Remind your body, remind your mind, this is the sensation I want. And then when the ball is there, do your best to grab onto that sensation and recreate it with the ball there in the way of your racket. A second example of a combination would be a shadow swing with no ball, a fake toss, so that means a shadow swing with a ball there, but not in the way of the racket, and then a real hit, so that you're incrementally increasing the level of challenge. You're incrementally increasing the strength of that pull of your subconscious, wanting to go back to your old habit. And your goal there, again, is to make all three repetitions look and feel exactly the same. The shadow, the fake toss, and the real hit. Your goal, your objective would be to make all of them be equally smooth, equally fluid. Or, here's the third quick example, a shadow swing, <clears throat> a stationary hit with the ball there in the way, and then maybe hitting with a little bit of movement, having to move two or three steps out, make your swing, And your goal is to have all three of those repetitions look and feel exactly the same. Now, as before, you're monitoring your level of execution. If you're doing less than 50% correct executions, the one that you want on the most challenging 
repetition in that combination, then decrease the level of challenge. Less than 50% means that the old habit is winning the battle and you're unable to manage the level of challenge. You're unable to correctly move in the direction of the new and improved, the smooth and fluid repetition. And so you're not getting positive traction. If on the other hand, you're executing more than 75% of the time, the correct execution, even on the most challenging repetition, then you can go ahead and increase the level of challenge. And so you can have your most challenging repetition be a real hit instead of a fake toss, or could be a hit with some movement instead of a stationary hit, so on and so forth. Slowly moving yourself in the direction of a little bit more real life at a time, using small incremental steps, not just going to a live ball rally as soon as you hit the first one correctly off of just dropping and hitting. Most importantly, last point here, always judge your execution quality using video. When I talk about more or less than 50% or above 75% execution, do not go based on feeling. Do not go based off of internal sensation. It will fool you every single time. I'm, I say that with authority based on my own personal experience and based on watching my students for years and years now think they're doing swing A, but they're actually doing swing B. Or it's a hybrid. It's kind of somewhere in between, but they're not executing the way that they think they're executing. And so if you are not checking yourself on video, <clears throat> with the yips, it's a little bit different. Honestly, with the with the yips, there's a very there's a very tactile kinesthetic, you know, feeling to it. There's a sensation to it that you know that smoothness is not there and your fluid your fluidity has been compromised. Uh, so it's a little bit more apparent with the yips specifically. But any kind of other technical like swing path change, the camera has got to be there. You just don't know for sure what you're doing. So in review, to fix the yips or any other technical flaw, step one is smooth shadow swings. Do not discount them. Do not underestimate them. Do not skip them. They are the foundation of your new habit. Step two is trick yourself. That means create intermediary steps between the shadow swings and a, a real life execution. And step three is very slow, slowly integrating different combinations of different levels of challenge with more real life environments step by step by step to slowly make your way towards full execution of the new swing is this can this be tedious can this be painstaking absolutely is there any way around it for those of us who are not highly highly aware and coordinated athletes honestly i don't outside of maybe hypnosis or some other kind of psychological you know treatment like that, when it comes to the yips, I honestly don't see much way around it. It's I've experienced it. It's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible place to be stuck. I feel very strongly in this process, and I believe that if you follow it, you will have success. And if you're looking to fix your backhand, fix your serve, fix your forehand, this is also the process you follow to leave that rut behind that you've been stuck in with your technique and slowly but surely make your way towards the technique that you need to reach your next level of play. For more free 
game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.